0: everyone. Welcome to the first in a series of Ford podcasts. I'm Jean Lovett. I'm a partner in our employment and incentives team. And today I'm joined by my partner Sinead Casey. Hi, Sinead. Hi, Jean. So the aim of this series is to provide you with practical guidance when handling redundancies in the current circumstances and in particular, uh, bearing in mind that many of you may have employees in your workforce who are either furloughed or working from home. If you haven't previously listened to any of our podcasts about the furlough scheme you can find these um, on our employment links blog or on the firm's covid 19 internet site they're with uh, nicola and nick from our team so today we'll be looking at um, when employers should begin the collective consultation process and if there are any options to avoid triggering collective consultation so sinead let's come to um the way the government has mapped out the way in which the furlough scheme is winding down coming to an end on the 31st October. And obviously beyond that, we've got the very limited comfort of the job retention bonus. Many employers are now going to be faced probably with the inevitable consequence that they will need to think about making people redundant. What should they be thinking about? What's your advice to them?
1: Yeah, so as you say, Jean, up to this point, many employers will have been able to avoid or postpone planning by virtue of the furlough scheme being in place. But now where we're at is that the changed parameters of the scheme with some employees returning to work coupled with the decreasing contribution to furlough pay on the part of the government means that now is the time to revisit the needs of the business. And there's a couple of key things that I think it's important to keep in mind. Um, Firstly, to look at and not forget, of course, individual employment rights, in particular, that employees with more than two years continuous employment of the right to protection from unfair dismissal and this applies to dismissals for redundancy or on a restructuring that might not fit the technical definition of redundancy and then secondly collective consultation obligations where the statutory thresholds are triggered for that thanks jenade for
0: mentioning the individual piece because obviously that does need to run uh Not necessarily quite in parallel, but you can't ignore that even when you've got the collective consultation obligation. So it's it's really important to keep that in mind. So coming back to the job retention scheme and the 31st of October cliff edge, um, from that point, the government subsidy is going to disappear and wages will be funded solely by the employer. So we're going to be talking about what that's going to mean for a redundancy timetable later in this podcast. But before we get there, let's focus on what the legal trigger for collective consultation actually is. And Sinead, I've always found that quite a tricky issue from a legal perspective.
1: Perhaps you could talk us through it. Yeah, sure. So I mentioned um, that there's statutory thresholds that need to be triggered. And as you say, it's slightly techy how the legislation works on this. Um, The relevant legislation is the Trade Union and Labour Relations Consolidation Act 1992. Uh, for shorthand that's often referred to as TOLRICA and it's section 188 of that legislation that is important for current purposes Um, and and basically what that provides is that where an employer is proposing to make 20 or more employees redundant at one establishment within a period of 90 days or less the employer must consult representatives of the employees affected by the dismissals. Um, There's a couple of as I say techie issues um, with that. The biggest difficulty is, is this with this definition arises from the interpretation of the word proposing. Um, does it mean when an employer is merely contemplating redundancies or is con- consultation not triggered until the point at which a final decision to make redundancies has been taken? Case law hasn't really helped us out with providing any certainty in this area and in practice the trigger point corresponds more to a window of time than a single moment. Um, so I think our suggested approach for employers who are weighing up their options in light of the changes to the furlough scheme is that they should aim to start consultation when it's clear that redundancies are one of the options under serious consideration. So to take an example, if your only options are to introduce short time working or to make redundancies, I think it would be sensible to assume that the duty to consult has been triggered.
0: Does that mean that starting
1: consultation as early as possible is the best way to avoid breaching the duty to consult? In short, yes, I do agree with that Jean. Um, I think particularly bearing in mind that the penalties for getting this wrong are considerable, so it's up to 90 days gross full pay per employee Um, and you know if you extrapolate that out with a large number of employees that could obviously be very material. So, I think starting consultation is the safest way to ensure that you don't miss the trigger point, although that will, of course, need to be judged carefully, as while starting consultation before there's a meaningful proposal to dismiss might appear to be a conservative, low-risk approach. It could be unnecessarily destabilizing for your business, so there's a balance to be struck there. Um, On the other hand, given the current situation, employees may well be anticipating changes in any event. And will not only be keen to know more but are also likely to be willing to challenge an employer who failed to start consultation when perhaps they should have done. yeah, I,
0: I, there's another point that I've come across in practice, which is that um, if you try and file your HR1 notification, which is the form you need to uh, share with Bayes when you're kicking off a collective redundancy process, if that's not specific enough, Bayes send it back to you because they think you're obviously not not clear enough or not near enough to the point where the duty is triggered. So um, this is definitely a, a tricky area where, where people will probably have to think the issues through very carefully and maybe seek external advice. So um, thanks for that Sinead And of course there are going to be plenty of practical challenges if you're looking to conduct collective consultation while you've got a lot of employees on furlough or continuing to rem- to work remotely. Um, and that's something we'll look at in one of our later podcasts. Um, those are going to complicate not just your redundancy process, but also the ease of engagement with your reps. Sinead, let's come back to um, how much time you need to allow to run a collective consultation process. Perhaps you
1: could share your thoughts on that. Yes, yeah, so going back to Section 188 of TOLRICA and what the requirements are under that, um, an important point to note is that potential redundancies are looked at on the basis of separate employing entities. What that means is that if you have several grid companies which act as employers, which you know many companies will have, you need to look at each employing entity separately. And you can't give notice to dismiss an employee until the collective consultation obligation has been discharged. So in terms of timing, to allow for dismissals to take effect on or before 31st of October, you'd need to work back from that date. So if we um, work that out, the minimum period of collective consultation is 30 days. Um, That that is, of course, a minimum. But if, if you have more than 20 but less than 100 employees at one establishment who are to be made redundant. That increases to 45 days at at a minimum if 100 or more employees at one establishment will be made redundant. So what that means in practice is that mid-September is likely to be the very latest point at which businesses needing to make more than 100 employees would be able to start their redundancy process if those redundancies need to be made from 31st of October. I think as the pressures on businesses evolve, employers should be keeping this issue under constant review so that they are um, ready to start the process as soon as the legal duty to collectively consult crystallizes. And we would expect and recommend that you would err on the side of caution here, um, because these are only minimums, and you'll need to consider how much time you practically think that you will need for your business. Yes, thanks. You mentioned the fact that
0: each um, employing entity is looked at separately. Um, What about where you've got a group of companies and each company might have less than
1: a hundred, but taken together, you've got more than a hundred. What does the law say about that? Yes, we we get asked about that point quite often, actually. Um, Strictly speaking, there isn't any need to aggregate those numbers. Um, There's nothing to stop an employer doing a group wide redundancy consultation, though, if they think that that is the way that they want to run it provided that each affected legal entity complies with its legal obligations. Okay, thanks. So one of the points you talked about earlier
0: was uh, the time limits and the fact that they are by employer and by establishment. um, Has the sort of shift to different ways of working, in particular with more people working from home, changed the way we would have to look at that term establishment for these purposes?
1: I think this is a really interesting point, actually, and you know, there's going to be more and more of these points um, arising, sort of indirect consequences of this shift to working from home. Um, in this context, to trigger the, the duty, there have to be 20 or more redundancies at one establishment, and the meaning of establishment has been the subject of lots of litigation um, and, and does need to be carefully analyzed in each case because it is quite fact-specific. But broadly, it's likely to be each autonomous local employment unit. OK, so if anyone's trying to argue that they've moved their
0: employees to working from home and that each house is a separate establishment,
1: what do you think about that it sounds a bit fanciful to me but you're right Dean. we have heard some arguments on that that the duty would be avoided in those circumstances but i think you know having considered that we think that a temporary change in location like that is unlikely to alter the establishment to which the individual is assigned even where a permanent change of workplace might have been agreed so if there is actually an amendment to the employee's contract we think a court would be likely to still look at the way in which an individual fits within the structure of the organisation when they're interpreting and interpreting whether or not the employee forms part of the business unit. So I think a move to working from home is unlikely to change the interpretation of the legislation. Although, as you say, we may see some uh, some creative arguments um, on the other side of that. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Um- And then the next sort of super techie point that you talked about was a ninety day time frame within which redundancies take effect. Um, Do you think we'll see employers looking to sort of utilise that time frame to their advantage by making some redundancies now and then postponing others
1: until after the that ninety day period has elapsed? That is theoretically possible, um, but it's important to bear in mind that that ninety day period isn't static, so it's a rolling period, it needs to look both forward and backwards. So some employers may have made redundancies earlier in the year without triggering the duty to consult. Um, If those redundancies occurred more than 90 days ago, they can be disregarded for the purposes of the calculation of whether the threshold was met for a further batch of redundancies. But if they are more recent, so if they've been um, made within a look look back period of 90 days, and taken with your new batch of proposed redundancies, the thresholds would be triggered. All of those redundancies have to be aggregated for the purposes of working out if collective consultation is required.
0: Yeah, I suppose the other point to mention is also that if you're trying to make take advantage of that 90 day period um, and use it to avoid collective consultation, you have to be pretty confident that your business um, situation is not going to decline materially in that 90-day period if you're delaying redundancies you're still carrying the cost of those employees during that period of delay so you have to balance that additional cost that you're carrying against um, the collective consultation obligation that you're trying to avoid the big question for everyone is you know what's the cost of getting this wrong Um, is it something that you know, you you can take a view on and just factor the additional cost into your uh, budget or is that going to be a very expensive mistake?
1: Yeah, so Dean, we mentioned earlier the um, potential financial penalty for failure to consult. Under Tolerica, that's up to 90 days full pay per employee, which as I mentioned, if you have a significant number of employees, that could add up to to quite a lot. Um, There's also... um, you know, as well as that purely financial implication, as you say, potentially you could build into your business planning, but it's important not to forget the duty to file the HR1 form, which you um, mentioned earlier, that's to notify Bayes about the redundancies. Um, The timing for this is the same as under section 188. Um, And failure to do that can result in a a fine, but um, perhaps, you know, more importantly, even criminal sanctions against the directors of any company in default. So it's not purely a financial issue. Yeah, and that's obviously a big
0: reputational issue for companies because no one wants their directors to be subject to criminal sanctions, obviously. Exactly right. I suppose last but not least on that point, um, these collective consultation sanctions are in addition to any um, compensation employees may get if they've been unfairly dismissed. So... (laughs) The last point I wanted to pick up on uh, today's podcast was um, the exception in Tulrica for, I think it's described as special circumstances. Do you think the pandemic provides any basis for relying on that special circumstances exception?
1: That's right. And it is an interesting point Jean, because as you say, there is a special circumstances exception to the requirement to collectively consult. But I think it's fair to say that employers should proceed with extreme caution if they're thinking that they may be able to rely on that defense. Um, our view is that an employer would be highly unlikely to be able to rely on it given the lead time that the furlough scheme has permitted. Um, and I think it's also important to note that where this special circumstances defense exists, even if you have the benefit of it, the employer is still obliged to do what it can in the circumstances. So it's not a carte blanche to say we're relieved entirely of the duty to consult, you would still need to take reasonable reasonable steps. yeah, thank you so not not something to hang your hat on at the moment probably no I wouldn't i
0: wouldn't uh, I wouldn't recommend it. yeah affectionately. so in summary, I suppose what uh, our guidance is is to plan early and err on the side of caution because getting your collective consultation wrong is both expensive and um can be reputationally very damaging and i think you know employment tribunals are not going to be particularly forgiving given the foreseeability of redundancies in the current circumstances and you know now we're in august and um, i think it's reasonably foreseeable for a lot of businesses that redundancies might be around the corner so thank you Sinead, and thanks to everyone for listening in if you've got any questions arising out of um, The rather technical issues that we've been discussing today, don't hesitate to get in touch with either Sinead or me or one of your usual contacts in our team. And don't forget that this is the first in a series of four podcasts on related issues, all of which are actually available now. Thanks very much everyone and goodbye.